Hello, and welcome to part two of the Security Council Fission Radio episode. I am still your host, Sonny Rosano, but now I am joined by Bryce Tapp, author of the Situation in Syria Background Guide. Would you like to introduce yourself, Bryce? Yeah, thanks, Sonny. Um, my name is Bryce Tapp. I am um, on the Fishman Board of Directors. And for many years, I was the director of Security Council. And for, many, for a year before that, as a delegate, I was on a delegate Security Council my second year of high school. Um, so Security Council is very, very close to my heart at Fishman. And um, I'm very, very honored to be on its podcast now. Awesome. It's going to be pretty good. So before we get into Security Council related matters, I do have a a nice breaker question to help uh, everyone get to know you a little bit better. So uh, Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks? So I now live in the Northeast. I lived in Florida for my whole life. So before it was always Starbucks, but now living in the Northeast, there's, Dun- there's Dunkin' Donuts everywhere. And, um, and I gotta say, when it comes to just plain coffee, I'm going to go Dunkin' Donuts. But whenever it comes to a specialty coffee order, I go to Starbucks. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a hot chocolate man myself and Dunkin' Donuts does hot chocolate better than anyone else. So, you know, I have I never had really... hot chocolate. I'm going to have to try that. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. Interesting. Uh, okay. So let's get into the, uh, into the topic. So first off, can you tell us a little bit about um, the current status of the refugee crisis? Yes. Um, so currently I will throw some statistics at you. Um, So the UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency, um, discusses on their their website that after 10 years of crisis, that life is becoming more and more difficult for displaced people, um, displaced Syrians. And as of March 15th, 2021, 13.4 people in need of humanitarian, there are 13.4 million people in need of humanitarian um, protection and assistance in Syria alone. There are 6.7 internally displaced persons in Syria, and um, there are 6.6 million um, refugees worldwide. Um, 5.6 million of that, so 5.6 million of the 6.6 million are are hosted in countries near Syria, meaning that around a million Syrian refugees are beyond the region at being serviced um, by different host countries, um, hopefully and or being serviced by the UN, um, again, hopefully. Um, so that's the current situation right now. And especially as the conflict begins to, um, or I should say, as the Syrian government begins to consolidate its power in Syria and the conflict begins to soften and quiet down. Um, we don't see this raging civil war anymore. It's more, yeah. Um, so now the focus is on the displaced persons in Syria and, and, and in the region and the way that the UN and those regional bodies can help um, um, assist those people. Uh, so based off of that, where has the Security Council fallen short of providing that necessary assistance to Syrian refugees and even internally displaced people? Yeah, one of the ways that the Security Council is, well, the Security Council just has flat out fallen short of Syria. And the fact that there are 13.4 million people in need of humanitarian assistance in Syria, and that there are 6.6 externally displaced people and 6.7 internally displaced people. Um, So 13.4 million people are in need of assistance. And the fact that the situation has gotten to this point, the fact that many of these people don't have homes to go back to, that there are the schools are destroyed, entire families have been uprooted, um, communities are destroyed that will never return 
to be honest, it is, it should be the, the shame of the Security Council. And um, the very fact that the Syrian civil war was able to escalate to the point that it was, to the point that now that the civil war is quieting down, it, you know, the Assad regime is consolidating its, um, its power in Syria once again. And now there's gonna be left, what? Nothing for many of these people to return to um, that have been displaced in, um, in many of the in, in regions in Syria. And so the Security Council's internal politics, especially the geopolitical maneuvering between Russia, the Russian Federation and the United States of America, um, is partially to blame for many vetoes or stalled resolutions or stalled um, funding um, to the UNHCR. And I, and I said earlier that it's the shame of the Security Council um, because this is one of the largest refugee crises that Europe is facing, for example, since the Second World War. And the European Union does not seem very well equipped or supported by the UN to um, support um, these refugees that are um, trying to seek refuge in, in Europe. And that's leading to other situations in, in the European Union as well. So the Security Council has just flat out failed. And I think for the delegates, there's going to be this temptation to rest on the, this geopolitical maneuvering, this realpolitik, so to speak. Um, in their deliberations. And I would ask them to, as a former director of Security Council, um, who's helped oversee this topic before, I would beg them to resist that temptation and to really consider the fact that these are 13.4 million human beings that do not have a home, that many of these children don't have schools, mothers that may not have access to healthcare, sexual assault survivors that do not have access to support or victims advocacy um, um, pathways. These are human beings, each with their own stories, each with their own lives that need support now, not tomorrow. They actually needed it yesterday, not even now. And that, that needs to be the focus of the Security Council now so that I would ask the delegates to do what the Security Council has failed to do and to focus on the refugees themselves instead of on the geopolitical powers and maneuverings in that country. Yeah, definitely. And I, I agree. Uh, being a delegate on Security Council, I think there's a there's a temptation to gravitate towards that debate between uh, between polit political uh, powers in, in the area. And uh, I think it's the easy way out. And I think it doesn't really mm -hmm. get anything done. So I also encourage delegates to kind of look beyond the, the major politics and kind of go into what the UN has done and what the Security Council can still do to help the crisis. I mean, there are so many initiatives that have tried to assist refugees in the humanitarian crisis. Bryce, you mentioned the 3RP in the background guide. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, could you explain what the 3RP is? Yeah, so 3RP stands for Regional Refugee and Resilience Plan. And um, the, it's, a, there's an, it's an interesting model that's been developed by the UN to assist refugees. Um, um, so the 3RP is a strategic coordination, planning, advocacy, fundraising, very important, and um, programming platform for humanitarian development partners to respond to the Syrian refugee crisis. Um, it's, it's one regional plan with five standalone countries, um, chapters, like chapters that are involved in countries um, covering Turkey, Lebanon, Jordan, Iraq, and Egypt. So countries that are, the surrounding countries that are hosting Syrian refugees. Um, there are two components to 3RP. 
The refugee component addresses the protection and humanitarian assistance needs of refugees. And then there's a resilience component that addresses the resilience, stabilization, and development needs of impacted individuals, communities, and institutions, aiming to strengthen the capacities of national actors in Syria and in these regions as well. Um, the 3RP continues to explore um, to date synergies between humanitarian aid and development processes. Um, yeah, and, and so we see this, this, this synthesis, this synergy is their language that they use between humanitarian develop, aid and development. And that's really how this refugee crisis is going to um, be resolved is because many of these communities need to be rebuilt from the ground up. So it's not just a matter of providing aid to refugees, it's a matter of developing these parts of Syria that have been destroyed. Um, so for example, um, I also wanna to touch on something that the, RP, our, that the 3RP reports, that the UN reports, is that whenever I say the word Syrian refugee, the delegates are more than likely going to think of refugee camps. But I have a statistic that's going to um, change that perception. So the 3RP reports that um, only 5%, only 5% of individuals are in refugee camps, 280,000. However, there are 5.3 million individuals in urban, peri-urban, and rural areas that are, that are registered Syrian refugees. So 95% of Syrian refugees are not in refugee camps. So that begs the question, how are these services going to be provided? So some of these services um, that have been provided um, in 2020, so for example, um, 240,000 re registered refugees, which is 99% of the target. Um, received sexual and gender-based violence response services. Another area of success um, was in food assistance, cash or voucher or in-kind were um, 2.3 million people, 104% of the target um, was achieved. Um, however, some areas where 3RP has um, fallen short is household, out, households outside of camps that received assistance for shelter and shelter upgrades, only 50,000 refugees, that's 28% of the target. Um, received assistance. So this is statistics that are found on the 3RP website, and I would really encourage um, delegates to review the introduction to the refugee, to the introduction to the regional refugee and resilience plan and review the statistics, the responses to see where um, response is lagging, where it's succeeding, and where their focus needs to be at um, going forward in their deliberations. Uh, thank you for that answer. Uh Last question, what can the Security Council do proactively to make repatriation available and safe for those who wish to return to Syria once it's safe? That's a great question. And I think that the language that you used is very important for the delegates to be aware of is that, that it needs to be safe for refugees to return to their homes if and if they choose to do so. So there is a right to return. There's not an obligation to return to one's country. Many of these refugees, they chose to flee, not just for economic purposes, but also for safety purposes, um, for fleeing the Syrian government. And so, first of all, I think that the Security Council needs to address its numerous asylum policies in countries to make sure that the refugees that, are, that have fled Syria can effectively utilize all asylum procedures and pathways at their disposal. And if they've exhausted those, then do they 
do they, if they choose to return to Syria, they should be able to return to a Syria that is being funded by the Security Council, or I shouldn't say Syria, I should say that communities that are being funded and supported by the Security Council to help with development and, um, yeah, development in Syria. I should say actually say redevelopment in Syria. So this is something that 3RP talks about as well, um, such as um, supporting national ownership in Syria um, of businesses, um, helping people in Jordan and Lebanon um, and governments around Syria to access national systems, um, such as um, 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 food assistance or, um, or monetary assistance. And also at the at the core of it, protecting people as well, is that um, if a refugee chooses to exercise the right of return, they should feel protected if they return to Syria. Um, and the Security Council needs to answer the question whether or not they can be the ones that can effectively do that. And what happens if the Syrian government does not guarantee um, their safety or the redevelopment of these communities? That's a hard question. And, but that's a question that the Security Council can answer if they really put their minds to it. And I believe that the delegates can answer that question. Great, thank you. It sounds like uh, the Security Council delegates uh, definitely have their work cut out for them during the flagship. So I'd like to thank you again. And if you have any last words of wisdom to leave the delegates, uh, you can say. Yeah, so I wanna wish the delegates best of luck first in their research. And this is, if you listen to the radio, this episode so far, you're to this point, you're at a great start. Um, and then, and also good luck with your deliberations is that I talked about earlier the temptation and you talked about this as well as the temptation to rest on the politics of this situation or on the, the battlefield, so to speak of this, the geopolitical battlefield. And I would say to resist that temptation. Don't give into the politics of it. Don't give into the flashy news articles that talk about war and, and civil strife focus on the refugees, focus on education, how we're protecting these refugees from COVID-19, how are we returning these children to school? Um, how are we supporting, um, how are we supporting people that have lost their families? Um, how are we supporting single mothers? Um, how are we supporting single fathers um, who have to raise children in refugee camps or in urban areas that have been destroyed? These are the real questions, the difficult questions that the delegates can answer and that I believe that they will be able to answer, so. Thank you so much. Great, thank you for joining us, Brett.